0: Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311cast, episode 49. Your premier midwestern base sports podcast where we bring you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Merch Michael Edwig, and Wyatt Tudor as we bring you Cyclone Football, the NFL, MLB, including a postseason preview, and of course, our signature segments, your weekly Turtle Tab,
1: Mike's Stupid Rules,
0: and Write That Down Predictions. <laughs>
1: Yes, and before we dive into all those things, I want to give you a little bit of a preview for our next episode. So you may have heard here over the last week, the state of California signed into law the Pay for Play Act uh, that essentially allows college athletes in California to accept sponsorship money. We aren't going to have time to dive into it in detail on this episode due to an MLB postseason preview coming at you later this episode, but we will get into it next week. So look forward to our commentary on that for next week. But in the meantime, the NCAA exists in its normal form, which means college football still happens every Saturday. And the Cyclones played Baylor on Saturday. Kyle, give us the details.
2: Uh... Really, all I can say is it's Baylor post-mortem. Um,
1: we killed Baylor? Uh,
2: no, Baylor killed us. Oh. Um, well, so the first, the first really three quarters of the game, the Cyclones did score 21 unanswered points against Baylor um, to bring it back to actually lead the game, but then the defense was unable to stop Baylor... Um, on offense, and they went down and kicked a game-winning field goal. Um, There were some uh, injuries and attrition on defense. Jaquan Bailey was hurt and had to leave the game, but Zach Peterson um, stepped in and played uh, pretty well in his absence. Um, But just kind of not what we were expecting going into the game. Um, And it just... I don't, I don't know, Mike. You wanna, you wanna give your insight on it? I, it wasn't what I was expecting to see from that Cyclones team coming off of a big victory against uh, Louisiana
1: Monroe. Yeah, I mean, again, I think it's the same story. The defense pretty much did their job. I mean, only giving up 23 points in a conference game on the road is pretty good. But again as we have been in every game this week with the exception of that Louisiana man rollout
2: every game this year, not this week. Sure. Fine. We don't play an entire season in a week. Sure. You do. Uh,
1: we're looking at the, uh, we're looking at the offense again, right? The offense, which was unable to put anything together in the first half. Right. I think we had only one drive that even resulted in anything except a punt or a turnover. And when that was a 50 uh, yard miss field goal, by uh, Connor or Sally there near the end of the first half. But I think, frankly, I mean, I guess I don't know what to say about the offense. I don't know what—obviously, you got to give credit to the coaching staff for figuring something out at halftime to be able to mm-hmm. get that offense going, right? And then it just came down to one drive at the beginning of the game, right? I mean, frankly, if you told if you told me at the beginning of the game you're going to have your defense on the field with three minutes left, and they need to hold Baylor to win the game, I'd say, all right, I like our chances. So I really, in the end, that game worked out the way you wanted it to work out, with your defense on the field needing a stop to win the game, and um, they just couldn't get it done, right? They couldn't stop Baylor. They had a couple of, uh, couple of downfield plays that did not work out in the Cyclones' favor, and they were just... The defense was just not able to hold at the end, despite them only giving up 23 points. They just couldn't quite get their jobs done at the end. But, I mean, frankly, it comes down – the offense has to do something in the first half. You can't – you don't deserve to win a game when in the entire first half you don't manage to, uh, you know, score any points. That's that's kind of important when you want to – when you want to win a ball game.
2: At least we, I mean, the good news out of that was, didn't Baylor only score ten points in the first half against us, or did they actually score 17?
1: It's seven? They had seven. They had seven. it was so, seven nothing at halftime, and then so, Baylor scored thirteen to make it to push it to twenty to nothing, and then we answered back with twenty one straight in the fourth quarter. It's not
2: like it's not like we absolutely shot ourselves in the foot to start the game. It it wasn't. It wasn't like we put ourselves way behind the eight ball that we couldn't get back in the game. It's just at right after halftime, the offense still couldn't do anything, um, and I feel I feel like we should have come out of halftime with more energy and than we did. Granted, it was really hot, and now everybody there's going to be a lot of talking debate. Well, there already has been about how hot it was on the Iowa State sideline. Matt Campbell said. In his press conference, don't know, don't care uh, in regards to if it affected the players at the end of the game. Um, So but it it was hot and obviously the defense was probably very tired since they had to once again be on the field for the majority of this game. Um, If we keep doing this, we're going to wear the defense out entirely the offense needs to be able to score and maintain drives um i'm not exactly sure what the time of possession was but it just seemed like the defense was out there for a long long time in a very hot game in texas
1: time of possession on the game was basically split
2: oh really had
1: an extra 30 seconds time of possession by the end of the game
2: okay for some some reason it felt drives at the end felt like more than that.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, in the first half, that was the case. I mean, in the end, right, it comes down to what what does Coach Campbell preach, right? Turnovers and details, right? We turned the ball over. The Cyclones turned the ball over twice. Baylor didn't turn the ball over, right? Mm -hmm. That's what it comes down to. You can't turn the ball over, especially on the road in conference, and expect to get away with these games, right?
2: Brock Purdy's interception should not have happened. He's got to throw that ball yeah. way out of bounds.
1: Yeah. He was trying to throw the ball away, so give him credit for making the right decision there, but he did not did not have the correct execution he did, there. He didn't execute, yep. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, total yards were even, basically, 405 to 411. Both quarterbacks had the same passer rating, we held Charlie Brewer in check in the run game, which was what needed to happen if uh, the Cyclones were going to win this game. He only rushed for 29 yards um, on the game, so that was a good job by the Cyclones. But despite the effort, there were a couple of uh, individual standout performers. Um, you'd highlight like Johnny Lang, who's certainly taken over in that backfield as the number one back. Um, and Coach Campbell basically said that. Uh, I don't remember if it was after the game or if it was in one of his press conferences early this week. Said that Johnny Lang is the guy; he's going to be the number one back here going into the future, or going into uh, the TCU game. And that's that's
2: good because that was something that I said we needed clarity on going into conference play. Um, but with the recent updated um, depth chart that was just published uh, at the beginning of this week. It was still a or 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 situation for all five running backs in the room. But for right now, I think it is between the three upperclassmen, Johnny Lang, Sheldon Crony, and Kene Nuangu. Yeah. With Johnny Lang the one who has the most yeah. support right now I, from the I think
1: team. we are going back to our discussion from last week, I think they are gonna try to slide both of those freshmen in with red shirts this year. Mm-hmm. I would assume they're going to try to do that now. After seeing the fact that even uh, Brees Hall didn't play here this last week, that they're going to slide them both through with red shirts oh. would be, I guess, yeah. which is probably good for the future of this program. Get two, mm-hmm. get two big running back recruits red-shirted when you have a good, good upperclassman class, and then go for it from there. So that's probably pretty good. But the other person I wanted to highlight was Orion Vance. Yes. He was someone who was not starting on this team this year. He's turned into a tremendous player. He had uh, six solo tackles, two sacks, two tackles for a loss, three more quarterback hurries um, in this game. And he's just been playing phenomenal. He's like fifth in the nation in sacks. He's one of the only players to have a sack at every game so far. So... He's just been a standout and a great compliment at linebacker to Spears and Rose. I think, a really he, solid I think I think I
2: saw saw a stat that he is um one whatever linebacker position he plays he's leading the nation in sacks.
1: Yeah, yep I think he's leading the nation in sacks for a linebacker.
2: Period. I think that's also true. Yeah. So, so he's
1: been he's been phenomenal. He's been he has been the key to this defense so far and uh, hopefully he can keep up playing well because this defense needs it because they're not necessarily getting the contributions they thought they might from Eisworth and Rose, who haven't been quite as good as last year, and especially with um, – uh, what's his name? Who's Jaquan gonna be Bailey. Out? Jaquan Bailey, thank you, is going to be out here. For, he is questionable to doubtful for the um, – and we're not,
2: we're not even getting the production out of the defensive line that we thought we were going to get. Where mm-hmm. Lima hasn't been great. Zach Peterson has been the best, I believe, on the defensive line so far. And yeah. another person that we're not getting as much out of that I thought we did last year was Braxton Lewis. We saw way more out of Braxton Lewis last year, especially middle of the year when we got into the thick of our schedule. Uh, we saw a lot out of him, and that's what earned him a scholarship from being a walk on player. Yeah. Um, and we haven't seen that this season. No. So.
1: so, though the defense has still been playing good as a unit, um, some of the individual performer standouts that we thought we were going to get just have not happened this year. So, that'll be something to watch going forward as we head this Saturday. Brocktober begins with TCU heading to Ames, Iowa to take on the Cyclones. What do you think for that matchup? What should we be on the lookout for, Kyle?
2: Um, it's really going to come down to can we, can we get to TCU's backup quarterback. They are still without their starting quarterback um, from the beginning of the year. Uh, this was a team um, that allowed SMU on defense to get after their quarterback and really rattle him a little bit, and then he started to settle in a little bit more. Um, they did throttle Kansas last week, no surprise there. Uh, Kansas is back to being the uh, slum of the Big 12 for this season, so at least something has some clarity. Uh, but I think I think it's going to come down to quarterback play, um, and I would venture to say that's what it came down to uh, in Baylor against Baylor was just being able to execute can Brock Purdy execute against probably the second or third best defense in the league at least one of the top three defenses in the league and it has been for the past six seven years Um, Mm -hmm. can we execute and can we get after the quarterback and hopefully rattle him I think the Cyclones need to come out of this game in the positive in turnover margin instead of in the negative. Yes, we need Once to win again. the turnover
1: battle eventually here.
2: Once again, that is something that seems to keep biting us in the in the butt. So can, yeah. can we do that and can we execute?
1: Yeah, the offense needs to not turn the ball over, or at least, yeah. We need to protect the football. You need to be able to try to establish the run against this TCU defense. I think it's going to be a low-scoring defensive struggle here.
2: Similar but, to two years ago in Ames when we knocked them off yes, as a top five team.
1: Yes, I agree. Maybe not quite that much of a defensive struggle. Probably more on line of a score with what uh, what there was against uh, Baylor. Something in the twenty one, in the low twenties is probably what to expect. But uh, ESPN FPI does favor the Cyclones. It gives them a sixty five percent chance to knock off TCU, and the line is at uh, Iowa State minus three and a half. So Iowa State is three and a half point favorites against TCU. So basically two pretty equal teams going at each other, and since the Cyclones are at home, they're favored. So that crowd and Jack Trice better come out loud and better will the Cyclones team to a victory. Because if you want to win a Big 12, if you want to go play in this Big 12 championship game, every game – until oklahoma until you go to norman is a must win like not necessarily a must win to have a successful season but if you're gonna make if you're gonna want to make the big 12 championship game you pretty much have to go on a streak here until you go to norman in the middle of november
2: that includes knocking off a now top 25 oklahoma state team that's looking pretty good
1: but that's at home for homecoming so that should be I mean, this should be a packed Jack Trice.
2: Yeah, well, and Jack Trice will be packed this weekend. Uh, Iowa State Athletics reporting over 59,000 tickets have been sold to this game. Still some tickets left. Any Cyclone fans out there who want to go see this game and see the Cyclones get a victory in Brocktober, go and pick up your tickets.
1: Yeah, we'll have to see. We will give you a complete rundown of how that game went. ...on episode 50 of 8311Cast next week. Also, fun fact, we forgot to mention this in the intro.
2: Oh, we did forget to mention
1: 8311Cast turned one this week, everybody. We are slightly over one year ago when episode one came out last year... ...when we came up with this idea sitting in the living room of 8311Cast Studios... Um, last fall, so happy birthday to the eighty three eleven cast. One year old on last Monday. Congratulations, eighty three eleven cast. But what Thanks. is more than <laughs> what, what is more than one year old is the uh, NFL and the NFL. 100 years had some...
2: old. It's one times a hundred years older.
1: <laughs> oh, How many years is that? I can't do that math.
2: I I can't either.
1: Why? Can you help us so? out?
0: I think it's like. 38 and a half or something
1: yeah it sounds right to me but anyway good bad the NFL did have a a very exciting week with a couple of good games that started on Thursday night with a Packers Eagles game that uh, was insane it had a lot of firsts the Eagles ended up beating the Packers um, in that game but two first two big firsts happened for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers Um, first of all Um, Aaron Rodgers had never lost a game when he was up by more than 10 points at home in his entire career, and he lost that game. And also, Aaron Rodgers had never been intercepted inside the three before, and that's how the game ended. He was intercepted inside his own three. So there you go, the two big firsts as the Eagles down the Packers in what probably was a must-win game for the Eagles because that just uh-huh. gets it to 2-2. Two two. Yep. So we'll have to see how both of those teams go from there as the Packers now face the Cowboys. So their season could turn here with a couple of tough games.
2: They but, faced the Cowboys without Devontae Adams Yeah. as well.
1: But what was probably the most exciting game of the weekend was probably a matchup of two undefeated teams that we didn't, ex- one of them at least, we did not expect to be undefeated at this point, and that was when the Chiefs went to the Lions, and Kyle us yes. a rundown of what happened there.
2: Oh, this was a very stressful game. Um, nobody wanted to hold on to the football. Uh,
1: five were, fumbles in the third quarter. There were five
2: fumbles in the third quarter alone. Um, the Chiefs came out of halftime uh, and promptly fumbled on the opening kickoff. Um Rookie Mecole Hardman could not uh, keep his hand on the ball. Um, but one of those fumbles turned into a huge play for the chiefs and really kind of swung things for them. They, they, uh, stopped the running back. Keyshawn Johnson, um, going into Karrion the goal. Johnson carry on Johnson. Wow. Keyshawn Johnson. He was a wide receiver. Um, Carry on Johnson, he fumbled at the one-yard line, basically at the half-yard line, um, and nobody—the ball just lay or just laid on the ground there for a little bit, and then uh, the Chiefs cornerback came in and picked the ball out from under the pile and proceeded to run it 101 yards uh, for a touchdown. Now, the reason why it was questionable was this was. This was the same uh, officiating crew that was known for the New, the new Orleans mess-up last year that created the new pass interference uh, rule in the NFL. Um, this team, they, or this crew, didn't blow the play dead, which is how it should have gone um, and what they should do. Let it go to review. Uh, let the play continue. They let the play continue. They went to review, and it was reviewed. Actually, that there was a there was a fumble, and they did the right thing. Of course, everybody in Detroit didn't think so, obviously. But it was a very good, uh, very good decision by that crew, and they got that play right. Um, the Chiefs, however, were stagnant for most of this game, uh, similar to the Cyclones, uh, the Cyclones offense uh, on Saturday. Um, they really weren't able to get it, get it going on offense. Patrick Mahomes had a lot of yards. They were able to move the ball, but they just couldn't punch it in. Uh, Patrick Mahomes didn't have any passing touchdowns. Uh, the first time since I believe it was week three last year when they played the, uh, Jaguars in Kansas city, he also didn't have any passing touchdowns in that game. Um, it, he just looked out of sync with his, some of his wide receivers uh, credit Detroit's defense for actually playing a very good game. Um, but the Chiefs just had way too many turnovers and way too many mistakes, and they let a team into that game that really seemed like they had no business being in that game. They were out, out of – their top cornerback was out. Darius Slay had an injury. Matt Stafford was playing hurt. Um, but it's it just – it was an out of sorts game game for the Chiefs. Uh, the only positive out of this is the Chiefs need to pay Chris Jones. This man is a problem on the interior of that defensive line. Uh, he was manhandling three if, different.
1: If, if he's a problem, why are you going to pay him? Generally, you get rid of problems. You don't keep them.
2: We want we want to keep this problem though. It's but, a good problem. But to why
1: add. the Patriots didn't want to keep Antonio Brown and he was a problem.
2: That was a bad problem. So anything that follows Antonio Brown is a bad problem right now. But we need to pay Chris Jones. It's time that uh, this team or this front office decides to pay him. We need to keep him in Kansas City. He is, he is one of the uh, three to four best interior defensive linemen in the league right now. So, yeah, yeah. Speaking of defense... Defense. Do you want to talk about how the Bears made the Vikings' offense look bad I mean, again?
1: So let's just talk about this, this, this Vikings-Bears game for a second. So first of all, first series of the game, Vikings strip sack Mitch Trubisky. He injures his shoulder at Wyatt, and um, and he's out for the game. And now he's questionable here for this week, too. So now you're thinking, all right, you've got this great vaunted Mike Zimmer coach, Vikings defense, up against a career backup quarterback in Matt Barkley, who fun fact... by right? Daniel? Right, Matt Barkley is the backup somewhere else. Where is he the backup?
2: Um, for the Buffalo Bills. He, was forced, he, play, he was, was forced to play he was forced to play when the Josh Allen when the Patriots destroyed Josh Allen and got zero repercussion, and Vontez perfect is now out of the NFL for a very similar hit. Yeah. The NFL is a bunch of cowards. They need to get their freaking story straight. Yeah. And, anyway. and that was my little uh, sidebar of who's pissed off this week. Yes. Yeah.
1: Kyle. Anyway, back to the Vikings game. Also, fun fact, he is going to be one of the uh, – top top 50 paid quarterbacks of all time by the end of this year, just because of his longevity of being a backup quarterback. It's going to be a Chase Daniel or Matt Barkley? Uh, Chase Daniel. Okay. Just a fun fact. Anyway, so you're thinking, okay, now the Bears' offense has no chance. So what does Chase Daniel do? He goes down and leads an eight-minute touchdown drive on that first series against the Vikings' defense just beating him on third down after third down. And overall, the Vikings' defense played pretty well. But again, the offense was unable to get anything going. Dalvin Cook, um, the run game never really got going with Dalvin Cook. And as uh, the Vikings fell behind early, um, they had to rely on the passing game more. And between a combination of the offensive line not being great, and let's be honest, what offensive line is great against Khalil Mack, um, but the Vikings' offensive line was particularly bad. And the fact that Kirk Cousins apparently thinks his offensive line is good and is going to give him more than four seconds to throw the football, which apparently he wants. Um, and he just wasn't throwing the ball. He got sacked six times. He had to scramble and throw the ball away numerous other times. I I just don't know what Kirk Cousins is doing, right? Right. Sometimes I, know, just-
2: I, I think I know what he should do. They should actually take a, take a uh, note from the team that they played the previous week, the Oakland Raiders, who they managed to beat, albeit, but Derek Carr this season has been getting the ball out of his hands around one and a half seconds after the snap. Exactly. Get the he- ball out of Kirk Cousins' hands. He, he- can't throw it deep anymore.
1: He missed Adam Thielen wide open on... It was one of the first possessions of the game for the Vikings.
2: Three Kirk years Cousins. ago, he almost missed his gender reveal.
1: That... Just go find that video. For for the question, not missed as in, like, didn't show up. Missed as in he was, like, throwing a football to break something. He almost missed. Whatever. Anyway. Yeah. Kirk, the, the Vikings need to figure out what to do with Kirk Cousins. And frankly, they need to figure out what to do with this year. I mean... To me, it's pretty obvious that uh, Mike Zimmer and uh, Rick Spielman are getting fired at the end of this year, barring some miraculous comeback. So they're really going to figure out what to do because, frankly, it might be in the organizational's best interest to give up on this year. But if you keep Cause there's Spielman- three because
2: there's it seems like there's three good other teams in that division. Yep, exactly. Detroit Detroit is looking good, promising. They beat the Chargers. They go to Philadelphia, beat the Eagles. -hmm. They somehow tied the lion or the Cardinals in Week One. The Packers look good. The The Packers look good, and the Bears look look a little bit better with Chase Daniel, in my opinion. Um.
1: Yeah, that's a different topic, though. Anyway, yeah. So, like, for the future of the franchise, the better idea might be to, you know, to 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 pack it in on this season. But if you keep Zimmer and Spielman, they're obviously not going to do that because they know they're coaching and general managing for their jobs so you're in a weird position right now if you're the vikings where do you tear down and rebuild or do you go for one last run here and try to figure it out with kirk cousins i just don't know what to do with this team so we'll have to see they get the giants here this week so hopefully that's a game you can win and get back on track and keep hopefully making run at the playoffs but i don't know it doesn't look likely at this point doesn't look likely,
2: especially in a loaded division that's uh-huh. that's good this year. the The Vikings aren't; they've already lost to the Packers and they've already lost to the Bears. They're not separating themselves from the from the division. But another game that was very close um, was the uh, undefeated Cowboys coming in after playing a lot of. Um, very mediocre talent uh, in their first three games to play arguably the best team that they faced this season, uh, even with Teddy Bridgewater as their quarterback Um, and the Cowboys lost. So they are now three and one. They lost in a game where there was only one touchdown scored and that was by the Cowboys. Um, The saints only needed four field goals um, and mediocre play out of Teddy Bridgewater uh, in order to get that game done. So, the the this begs the question, are the Cowboys for real? I don't know. We'll see. They have a big test against the Packers this weekend. Um, we'll see if this, I think this will be, this will go a long way in showing if the Cowboys are for real. If they win it, they'll be four and one. If they don't, then they'll be sitting, sitting middle of the pack essentially in the NFC at three and two. Um, and they have the Eagles have a chance to tie them for the lead in that division again. Um, so speaking of previously uh, undefeated teams, there are now three current undefeated teams in the NFL. The uh, Chiefs, which we talked about, uh, beat the Lions. The 49ers, who were idle this week in the early week four, buys. Um, so they they face off against the Cleveland Browns on Monday Night Football this week. And um, the Patriots, who have played an extremely easy schedule, also so far, um, and had a bit of a scare, I'd say, in Buffalo, a very low-scoring game as they won sixteen to ten. Um, but the the Patriots' defense is probably what's going to actually get them far in the AFC this year. Tom Brady just he's continuing to look not himself on the road but continues to perform in New England where he feels comfortable. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with that.
1: But anyway, it's a time of year where we need to put football aside for three weeks because it's the part of baseball season that really matters. The MLB postseason is here and underway with both wild card games having already been played. But before we get to a preview of the postseason, Kyle, you want to wrap up what happened with your Royals?
2: Yep. So this is it was it was a season in which they were trying to get through the bad times and turn things around for next season, Um, not to be competitive next season, but to have uh, aspirations of being a better and more competitive team next year. Uh, Just one highlight. uh, So a Royal uh, slugger led the American Leagues in home runs for the first time in Royals history. Uh, Solaire had 48. He was also the first Cuban-born player with 48 home runs in the season. Mike, this one's for you. Uh, So according to StatCast, now that they have been tracking this, he led the majors in barrels. So barrels means batted balls with the ideal combo of launch angle and exit velocity, which generally accounts for extra base hits and home runs. Uh, He was one of nine players to have 70 uh, since this stat has started being tracked since 2015. Um, the other big news that came out of the Royals organization, uh, obviously we had talked about the owner of the team, David Glass, uh, sold the team. Um, and now the general ma- or not the general manager, sorry, the manager, Ned Yost, decided to retire to spend time hunting and fishing and with his grandchildren after 10 years of leading the Royals. He announced this at the beginning of the week. They had a huge ceremony for him on Friday night. It was it was a tearjerker um, for one of the uh, for uh, probably the greatest manager in Royals history. Um, led the Royals in wins. Led them to a 2015 World Series. Um, and he told he said he loved this team so much that he wanted to get the team through its uh, through another hundred uh, loss season. So that when he turned it over to another manager, they wouldn't have to endure the same thing. Just a really yeah. class class act guy that the Royals are going to miss dearly.
1: Mhm. Yep. And now before we move on to the playoffs, why you want to fill us in on what happened here in this last week with your Cubbies?
0: Uh yeah, in, the past, in last week anyway. Joe Madden was fired. That really biggest He wasn't the biggest
1: fired. He was just not he renewed. Was...
0: Not renewed, he was essentially fired.
1: Um, yes. Which not does not...
0: Well, basically, though. They said your services are no
2: longer needed here.
0: Yes. Yeah, so essentially fired, which doesn't really come as, as a surprise to anybody, I wouldn't think. Um, wow. I don't think it was the right decision, personally, but I don't own the Cubs. Uh, some uh, some guys looking at that position are David Ross, currently a special assistant, I believe, for the Cubs. Uh, bench coach Mark Loretta, I think he'd be a really good candidate. And Joe Girardi, Gir- Girardi, oh boy! Wow, uh, former Cubs catcher, Yankees and Marlins manager. Didn't didn't he uh, manage the Marlins in like yeah. 2005?
1: Yeah, he I might something
0: have. like okay. that.
1: I'm, I'm hearing rumors that uh, what was that? The bench coach. What's that guy's name again? Mark Loretta. Loretta is going to get the job. That's what I'm hearing from Buster Olmert. So that's I what think I would look be, for. I'm not. I, I'm not vote. exactly
2: sure David Ross would have the qualifications to be. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, he
0: doesn't have the experience. But like I said, it was, his name was thrown about a little bit.
2: Yeah, so. it definitely
1: was. Well, and, I mean, another
2: manager
0: who didn't have much experience
2: led the Twins to a postseason berth.
1: That's true. But before we talk about that, one more thing I wanted to get in. Surprise! Uh, surprisingly, the day after uh, Joe Madden was let go with the Cubs. The Angels fired Brad Ausmus after one mm-hmm. year, which they say is completely unrelated to the fact that <laughs> Joe Madden is now looking for the job. But well, I guess we'll find out in a week whether those two facts are actually related or not. But anyway, yes, what they are. one of the youngest managers in baseball did lead the Twins to the playoffs in Rocco Baldelli. Fun fact, Nelson Cruz, the Twins DH, is older than Rocco Baldelli, the manager. Just a fun fact for you. So the manager is not uh, older than one of his players. Anyway, yes, the Twins did clinch their first AL Central since 2010. Uh, they clinched it on Wednesday with a Indians loss to the White Sox. Also, the Indians has collapsed down the stretch, but that's topic for later. So the Twins are going to the playoffs. Um, the only two questions that needed to be answered the rest of the week were how healthy can they be? which we'll get to more in our weekly turtle tab. And um, will they beat the Yankees for the all-time MLB home run record? And the answer to that second question was a very barely yes. The Twins finished the year with 307 home runs, beating the Yankees by one who finished with 306, because that's 307 minus one. And um, basically... It came down to the last day where the Twins hit three home runs and the Yankees only hit one for the Twins to be able to take that record. But really, that doesn't really matter if the Twins can't beat the Yankees in the playoffs. Um, That series starts this upcoming Friday with games one and two, Friday and Saturday in New York with games three and four, Monday and Tuesday in Minneapolis. So Twins versus the Yankees. Twins have to go out there and beat them and show the world that they didn't set a home run record by fluke. And they are actually a good team. But looking at the rest of the playoffs. Um, we should talk about Indiana the wild
2: card first.
1: I mean, the wild card games, they did happen. The yeah. Brewers choked away the National League wild card game. They jumped on uh, Max Scherzer early and held a 3-1 to lead um, in the uh going into the bottom of the eighth inning of that National League Wild Card game. They brought in Josh Hader, who got the first guy out, but then he ran into some trouble as he hit a guy, uh, gave up a boop single, got another guy out, then walked Rendon, and then gave up a two-RBI single to Juan Soto. But the Brewers' rookie right fielder, overran the baseball and let it get past him, allowing the go-ahead run to score and Soto to get to second. And that ended up being the end of the game with the Brewers losing 4-3. to three. Tough way for the Brewers to end the year. Um, but really good to finally see what Washington had never won an elimination game in franchise history before they, they won that game against the Brewers. Yep, they yeah. never won a winner-take-all game in franchise history, and then they just did it. So, And then in the AL wildcard game, Tampa jumped all over the A's with a couple of early home runs. And as we are talking, they are through six with Tampa with a 5-1 lead over Oakland. So we're going to go with this episode on the assumption that Tampa Bay wins this game. But we, that may look stupid come the time this episode actually gets published. So hopefully we don't look stupid, Tampa Bay, looking at you. Well, at
2: least th- at least that would be you that would be looking stupid. So Wyatt and I are covered.
1: No, you all look stupid by your relationship. by proxy. To me. So, yeah, yeah exactly, all right. exactly, exactly. So with that, um, I want your World Series picks. From each league, and then your mm. World Series champion from both of you. Ready? Go.
0: At the same time?
1: That's no, we you, Wyatt. We were starting with whichever one of you talked first, <laughs> oh. with you, Wyatt. So,
0: um, well, I'm having a tough time with the AL. So, Dodgers are going to to, to be representing. Okay. Um, the only other option there really is the Cardinals, I think, and I don't want to entertain that thought. So, Dodgers.
1: Don't believe it, the Braves.
0: No, I don't. Why not? I'm not brave enough.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: anyway, Dodgers. and <laughs> uh, I'm going to say Dodgers and Yankees with the Dodgers taking it in six games. I'm sorry. I just don't see I it hate happening. The Yankees.
1: I hate the I Yankees. I do, too.
0: That's why I do, too. I feel you, man.
2: So I am pulling for the Twins to beat the Yankees. But I'm not yeah, so sh- I'm not so sure that oh I'm pulling for it. I'm, just... I'm not so sure that the the Twins will get past the Astros. Um, that Astros rotation is good. Mike and Mike and I were talking about this last week about um, do they have one of the best postseason rotations in MLB history? We decided no because we're going with the what was that the 2008 Phillies rotation, Mike.
1: Well, or the 2001 Diamondbacks rotation, or
2: that one, yes. So, but they have they have one of the top five postseason rotations in MLB history. Yes, right now. Um, so, I think they will represent the AL, and out of the NL,
0: uh, I don't want to see the Dodgers there again. I mean, you don't really have much of an option. Like, in my mind, the only two good teams in the NL right now are the Cardinals and the Dodgers. I'm going to go with the Cardinals. I don't I don't see that happening, though. Okay. I think the
2: Cardinals no can way. make a Cinderella run, but their luck will run out when they match up against Houston. Houston is your World Series champion okay. in 2019. Okay. You go, Mike. It's your turn.
1: I Out of the American League, I agree with Kyle. I have the Houston Astros. I think that... Even though there was an article on MLB.com today saying that uh, the best pitching, uh the best starting rotations don't normally dominate in the postseason, I feel like the Astros lineup is dominant enough that they mm. will be able to uh, make up for any. Uh, Issues the pitching staff may have this series. So I have the Astros. And I'm going the complete opposite direction of either of you in the National
0: League. Oh. Oh, and I pick
1: the Washington Nationals.
0: Really? Yes.
1: Okay. So th- think about this pitching staff that the Washington Nationals have, right? You've got Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, and Patrick Corbin, right? You can mm-hmm. argue that that starting rotation is just as good
2: just as, as good as, as
1: that Astros rotation, right? Yep. But yep. nobody's talking about um, that Washington Nationals rotation, right? I feel like I wasn't sure they'd get past the wildcard game because that game's just always a coin flip regardless of what's going on. But now that they did, I like the, uh, the Nationals in a series against anybody else in the National League because of that pitching staff and because that offense between uh, – uh, Juan Soto, Anthony Rendon, and uh, Victor Robles, that's a really good offense out there yeah. in uh, in Washington as well, now that they got through the wild card game. So I'm going with Washington, but I will go with – actually, I'm going to go with Washington in seven to win the World Series over okay. the Astros. Washington, I would love to see that. With, All right. with, I would
0: love to a, see that. It's an
1: amazing – they're going to do some something really weird in Game 7 where, like, all three of Corbin, Strasburg, and Scherzer are each going to pitch three innings or some weird thing like so, that. So, yeah. similar
2: to the 2014 uh, San Francisco Giants who came out of the wild card and s- spun Madison Bumgarner for two innings mm-hmm. to beat the Royals. Yeah. Yep. I'm you still know. not over that game, clearly.
1: You won a World Series the year after. It's time to get over it.
2: No, We're that close to two in a row. Get over it.
1: You probably uh, would have won the second one if you would have won the first one.
2: That's fair. The World Series hangover is real.
1: At Boston Bird Sox. <laughs>
2: um,
1: anyway, so now we have our World Series picks, so you can tell us how bad they are on our social media channel, at 8311cast on Instagram. If but- you
2: go there, there will be more polls for our listeners to get involved and get engaged and we will update that as the postseason continues and uh, tell all of our listeners how all of you are voting and what you all think
1: mm-hmm. but now we're going to move on to talking about everyone's favorite baseball player willens astadio who looks like you have a story for us yes for that da- yes would you believe that for a couple days? Willens Astudillo was not actually well-liked in Minnesota here this week. So let's set the stage. It's Saturday It's Saturday afternoon in Kansas City. The Twins and the Royals are playing. And there's a pop-up right over the pitcher's mound. And Ostadio is camped under it to make the catch. And uh, Twins rookie Phenom Luis Elias um, runs over there to try to make the catch and runs into Astudillo. And injures his ankle. It turned out just to be a uh, grade one sprain. But uh, he had to be taken off the field on a cart. And uh, frankly, people weren't happy with Willens Astadio for injuring one of the Twins' uh, best players. And presumably starting second baseman in the uh, the playoffs. But, I mean, he did go another step in guaranteeing himself a spot on the playoff roster. Because, you know, more injured infielders means more spots for Willens Astadio. So, Friday at... Uh, Friday morning is when the Twins will have to announce their postseason roster. So the big things to look at is keep a look at Willens Astudio and Luisa Rise to see if either of them will make the postseason roster. Um, Moving right along with our signature segments into Mike's stupid rules, I have another rule. So you've always heard about the rule that um, if a runner gets hit by a batted ball, they're out, right? You two are both aware of that rule, I presume. Yes. Yep. So, did you know that if a line drive deflects off a fielder and then a runner, they're not out?
0: I did know that. that I also is... didn't
1: know that for whatever reason. Have we talked about that? I don't know. We talked about deflecting off an umpire, whether the umpire was in front of or behind. Oh, okay. uh, the mm. plays that's when we talked about it. All right. but so, so yeah, so we had this come up again in my slow pitch softball. so this is this is where I'm getting these things. A ball was uh, hit off the uh, off the pitcher's head, a line drive off the pitcher's head, and into and off the leg of the runner running from second to third. Originally, the play was called dead and he was ruled out because you know hit hit with a batted ball. But then, after realizing that it hit the pitcher, the umpire said, okay, no, 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 he's not out and just awarded everybody one base because, you know, you can't sort it out any other way. So normally that ball is live, right, after it, even after it hit the base runner because it hit a fielder first. So there's your stupid hmm. rule for the day. If the ball hits the fielder before the runner, even if the fielder doesn't possess the ball, right, it doesn't no, no, no longer count as a battered ball once a fielder has made contact with it in any way. So that is why the runner is not out in that situation. And don't worry, the pitcher who got hit in the head is okay.
0: I mean, I assume so. So, no problem. I'm going I'm to let you keep on talking and go right into our accountability session.
1: Yes, we have a large accountability a session today because we had a lot of predictions that were staked to – the end of the baseball regular season, which happened here this week. So I'm going to go in sort of rapid fire. So if Kyle and Wyatt, you could be ready with a quick buzzer or ding, 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 ding when they happen. We're just going to roll right through these. First one to come off the board was Kyle saying Whit Merrifield would lead the American League in hits. That That's when you're supposed to do the nant or the ding, ding, ding. Ding, 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 ding. Thank you. A prediction by Wyatt saying the Cubs would win the World Series. Man. A prediction from Wyatt, saying the Cubs would go to the World Series. Nah, nah. A prediction by me, saying the Twins will win the AL Central by 11-plus games.
0: Nah. Thank you. Was it nah? Yes, yes. it was. They it
1: only actually, won yeah. by seven. Oh, seven okay. games. Um, a prediction by Josh, saying the Brewers will make the playoffs. Ding,
0: ding, ding.
1: A prediction by Josh, saying the Brewers will win a playoff game. Nah, nah. A prediction from Kyle saying the Steelers will start the NFL season 0-6. Uh, nah. A prediction from me saying the Indians will not make the playoffs. Ding
0: ding. Ding ding ding
1: A prediction from Kyle saying Brock Purdy will be responsible for a four plus touchdowns versus Baylor. Uh, nah. And a prediction from Mike saying the Twins will break the all-time home run record. Ding 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 ding. Softing. Softing. That is our entire accountability session. Like eight predictions or something that came off the board. Ten. A lot. Ten. Ten. Oh, my Ten goodness. Ten predictions. Double digits. Mm hmm. That digits. might be the first time we've ever had that. Let's what's, what's, uh,
0: make up for that and put some more back up on the board, Kyle. Do you have a okay. prediction for us? I do.
1: So
2: the Astros have three really good starting rotation pitchers, two of yep. them are in our potential AL Cy Young candidates. Yeah. But the third, Zach Granke, will be the best pitcher in the postseason for the Astros' starting rotation.
1: How do you define best?
2: Uh, lowest ERA. I, I won't say most strikeouts because that won't happen. No. Uh, he, will, he will have the lowest ERA, and uh, he will have more, more wins than the other. Most
1: wins and Low, lowest
2: ERA? Most wins and lowest ERA.
0: Wow.
1: Triple? I'm thinking triple for that. Yeah,
0: I I don't have any argument against a triple. Yeah,
1: I think triple whatsoever because he's not going to get the most starts. So it was really hard for him to get the most wins since he won't get the most starts. I'm between triple and home run on that actually. What do you think, Wyatt?
0: <sighs> I I I don't think it's outlandish enough to be a home run. I think All a triple right. is a good a, a good score.
2: Can I so can I adjust it to say that he will have the better record? Instead of most wins.
1: So the best winning percentage the best and the lowest ERA. Best winning percentage ERA? and the lowest ERA. Yes, you can adjust it. Does that change our?
0: I think it makes it a more comfortable triple.
1: Yeah, I yeah yeah we'll go we'll give it a triple. Still, um, my prediction is that the Twins will finally beat the Yankees in a playoff series. Dang it.
0: I hope so. I hope so too. But do I think it's gonna happen? Uh... I'm not, not entirely confident. I'm kind of between a double and a triple. Kind of I was leaning also towards between a double. a
2: double and a triple. I'll, I'll I don't, go think, with, it's
0: super, I'll I don't go think it's super. With your, I'll go with
2: your lean there, Wyatt.
0: I think it's more in double territory. I don't think it's super unlikely. I would really like to see it happen, though, so there might be a little bit of Yankees hate bias. But
1: I'll, I, I'll, agree. I'll agree with the double. I don't okay, think that's, all right. That's
0: true. Oh. All right, I don't have anything good. I'm going to say that, like, Joe West is going to blow a call in the postseason, but he he hasn't been assigned a game yet. So if he is assigned a game, it's going to be um either the World Series or the Championship Series. So yeah, is it the championship are, series. are we saying, are we Champions
2: defining series. this as a blatant blown in, a, call an or, egregious
0: okay. you'll know when it happens kind okay. of Joe West call? Not
2: um, not just like he misses no. a few no. strikes.
0: No, something stupid like calling three boxes in a row. That's not that, okay. that didn't happen. But that's a very or, Joe or, West thing to do. Yeah, it yep. is a very Joe West thing to do. I'll give
1: you a, I'll give you a triple I, because triple. I don't know if he's going to get a playoff.
0: I don't game. think. I, I hope right. he doesn't.
1: So that's why we give him a triple. It's not yeah, a home no. run because if he gets a playoff game, it's <laughs> bound to happen. But since we don't know if he's going to get a playoff game, we'll give you a triple.
2: If he gets Thanks. a playoff game, that's a bunt single. Yeah. So.
1: If
0: yeah. I don't anyway. know if he is though. He never know. Yeah, I don't know. Do you have anything from Josh?
1: I did hear from Josh. Josh is very bullish on the Cyclones' chances against TCU. He's predicting that the Cyclones will score at least twice as many points as TCU this week.
0: Uh, I don't think it's that unlikely. I don't think it's going to happen, though. But
2: The uh, offense could explode, but TCU's defense is really good.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking triple.
2: It? I'm TCU's also thinking awesome. triple.
1: It's really yeah, okay. hard to double up but a- I it's can't. It's really hard double to
2: double up a team oh, yeah. in the Big 12 outside of KU. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's fair. And West Virginia this year. And West Virginia this year. Yeah, cool. I, I'm comfortable with triple for that. I think that makes sense to me.
0: Sounds good to me. So since we have all four of those predictions down, we've ran through our accountability session. That wraps up our Write That Down Predictions segment, which also wraps up this episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 49 of the 8311Cast, our one-year anniversary of posting the world's most Midwestern-based sports podcast. <laughs>
1: well said. <laughs> well said.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for letting us bring all things sports to your beautiful ears. Signing off for the 8311Cast, you think I know how to say our name. By now we have your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, And Wyatt Teeter. We'll talk to you again next week. Go Cyclones.
1: Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.